Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 13. Man, excited about today's message. Uh, We uh, are continuing in our sermon series on the parables of Jesus it's going to be good. I just, uh, I've enjoyed this series. I don't know about you guys. Um, as you're turning there, if there's anything I can say that we've learned so far from the parables, it's this, that there is exponential potential when we see the seed, when the seed of God's word is planted in a heart that's receptive. Throughout all the parables we've looked at so far, right, the parable of the sower, uh, the, the, just the, the different types, the, the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed, what's easy to see that Jesus is trying to convey to us. And again, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, is what we're going to be looking at today. But we can see that there is an exponential potential when the seed of God's word is planted in a receptive heart. Some other things, that the humble will produce a great harvest when they put their hand to kingdom work. We'll say that again. People that can walk in humility, that will put their hand to the plow in the kingdom of God, can produce amazingly great things and a great harvest. Because while we work for the kingdom, the seed grows. And uh, we've learned that our faithfulness, uh, our faithfulness is to be to the work, right? We're supposed to, as I was talking about a second ago with volunteering and serving, it's not just about finding a position to serve at a church on a Sunday or a Wednesday or in a small group or whatever. It's not just simply about those things, but if we will put our hand to the plow, if we will get involved and engaged and begin to work and we're faithful to that, then we can also trust that while we work, God's going to be faithful to grow the seed. Now, you have to understand something about that is, is there is seed that is being sown into your life, but you are also, remember, intended to be a seed that is sown into the lives of others for the sake of the kingdom. But here's the thing. Seeds that are never planted don't grow anything. And so the reason we talk about engagement, the reason we talk about serving is because your life is purposed by God to be able to produce a harvest that can feed others. With kingdom fruit. Amen? And that's the whole purpose why we're talking about the parables. One of the things that I believe that God has called us to as a church is that we are to be a kingdom people, not just simply church attenders. Not a people who just know how to come in and sing the songs and feel encouraged and hear a message and say amen and uh-huh and go back out the doors. That, that's, that's a good thing. It's good to come in and to feel the presence of God and to be encouraged. But at the same time, what is, is intended to happen is that the word of God changes you from the inside out so that when you go back out the doors, you are the church. Our job is to equip you for the work. And the kingdom of God is about work. That doesn't mean you don't get to rest. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy life. Right? But here's the thing is, is as we go, man, we preach, man, we, we share the word, we live for the glory of God, we encourage people, we pray for people, we love people, we have great family life, we have great marriage, we have great intimacy in marriage, we love our kids, we love our friends, we just go out there and we go and apprehend life and we enjoy it, we model for people what it looks like to serve Jesus well. We show them that there's a better way. Amen? That you don't have to fight with your spouse all the time. That you don't have to be angry with one another all the time. That you don't have to be the one to to, to just be that dog-eat-dog world. You don't have to do that all the time. We can show them that there's a better way. And every time we do that, the kingdom of God advances. When you help to, 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 let's say, to to speak into somebody's life concerning finances, let's say they're in a crazy amount of debt, and, and you talked about kingdom principles of what the Lord says, and they get their house in order in the area of finances, the kingdom of God advances. Amen? 
If, if, if there's something that's going on in their life and, and maybe there's uh, some sort of disruption that's going on in the home and you share God's principles and you model it for them of what it looks like to serve Jesus faithfully and to do life well and, and now that, that situation gets fixed or restored or you're able to pray for them or encourage them and you begin to see traction and things begin to happen, that's the kingdom of God advancing. And I think it's important that we understand that because it's not just about giving good advice, it's about giving them Jesus. Amen. And that's the whole purpose of a, of a kingdom life and, and the work of the kingdom of God is that we are to be so filled with fruit that we just walk around giving to anybody that asks without, without reservation. We're like, do you need that? Here. Do you need that? Here. Do you need this? Here. Amen? Amen. And so again, our faithfulness is to the work, but God's faithfulness grows the seed. And so today's parable that we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verse 33. It's also found in Luke 13, 20, and 21. But we're just going to focus in on Matthew's Gospels today. And it's, it's one verse. But Jesus uh, uses a simple illustration of leaven or yeast uh, to be able to, uh, to, to talk about what the kingdom of heaven is like. This one he doesn't explain, but we'll be able to, to figure it out. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, it says, another parable he spoke to them. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Hey, did you know that Jesus was a rapper? <laughs> I just realized that. I didn't even think about that before. That's awesome. Anybody got a beat they want to throw down? Like, that's awesome. He's going to hear you like, he's like, yo, yo, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That's cool. Anyway, now you know what happens, why it takes me so long to read the word sometimes. All right, Cool. Welcome back. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of milk till it was all leavened. So here's the thing. Let's take and look at this from a natural understanding to start off. Uh, I think it will help. From a natural understanding, yeast or leaven converts sugar and starch from the sugar and the flour in the bread into carbon dioxide and ethanol. The carbon dioxide gas makes the dough rise. And, uh, and eventually what happens with that yeast is that yeast works its way through the entire lump of dough, causing the entirety of that dough to rise. Okay? So Jesus is using that natural picture to give, to give us an understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so uh, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. And so leaven is mentioned seven times in the New Testament, multiple times in the Old Testament, because leaven was also part of the, of the uh, leaven was to be kept out of certain parts of the sacrificial system because of Egypt and some things. And we're not going to go into all that today. Uh, but in the New Testament specifically, Jesus references, or it's referenced about seven times, um, it, twice in the parables that we're talking about. Uh, and both of these ones, here's the thing, two of the seven are good. That's the ones we're talking about today. So Jesus mentions about leaven. And in this context, it's good. He's talking about the leaven of the kingdom of God. The other five references in, in the uh, New Testament give reference to the effect of sin, immorality, wickedness, or the false doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So in two of them, it's good talking about the leaven of the kingdom of heaven and how it is expected to be worked into its environment to cause the entirety to rise. And in the other portion, we see leaven in the opposite context that how sin or wickedness or immorality or wrong doctrine, wrong ways of thinking can actually affect the entirety of the lump as well for the negative. So we see the power of, of, of the word. We see the power of seed and, and the idea and the concept of yeast giving us a separate picture of, of how it works, that, that if I dabble into sin, then ultimately with sin, it's going to affect the entirety of who I am. And can I just, I'm not going to talk about this all today, but can I just simply tell you this morning, there's not a single person in this room that can dabble in sin and not become prey to it. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
That's not what my message is about today. Uh, it's about the opposite and the goodness of God and how the kingdom of God advances. But I need you to understand that today. There is not a person in this room that we can live a double life, come in here, praise God on Sunday, and live the way we want the rest of the week and not have it affect us in a negative way. Okay, so we just we need to pay attention to that. This message today is not all about sin, uh, but, uh, but we want to we pay attention to that. So uh, before we jump into the message, the rest of it, let's pray real quick, and then we're going to jump to it. Father, I ask that over the next few moments, would you anoint my mouth to speak life and truth, not my opinion, but your word. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of God is saying, is, is saying and doing. God, open our hearts to receive of the word of God. Lord, I pray that it would be planted in good soil, and I thank you that as it's planted in good soil, we will water it with worship, the word, and prayer, and I thank you that over time, it will grow up and produce a kingdom harvest inside of us that will produce fruit to share with others in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. So today uh, we're looking at this particular area, but last week in the parable, I want to show you something as we jump into this. In the parable of the mustard seed, I made this point in my message. I said that little is much in the kingdom of God, right? So when we talked about the, the physical size of a mustard seed, that it's the smallest seed of all the herbs, and when it's planted, it grows bigger than everything. Uh, it, it has the ability to grow literally is from about four foot off the ground to as high and as wide as 30 feet from a small seed. And so in that, the, the idea that little is much in the kingdom of God, Jesus also uses there's another place in, in the book of Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus also talks about the mustard seed. He uses that same thing. And again, the point that he's trying to make is that, it, is that it's something small. It's not always something that seems extra or extravagant uh, or over the top that he uses. So often in our lives, it's the little things. It's the little seeds that have the potential to become something great. And so Jesus uses the mustard seed in Matthew 17 to illustrate the effect and force of faith. And so I'm not going to read that whole story to you, but in Matthew 17, kind of the abbreviated version is this, that there is a, a young boy that uh, is, uh, is having uh, issues and he's, he's battling a severe epilepsy, and the father of the boy brings uh, his son to the disciples uh, to, uh, to be healed, and uh, they pray, they can't do it. Uh, during the time while the father brings this son, Jesus is with Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, it says, where he is transfigured before their face. So they call it the Mount of Transfiguration. Literally, his visual image was changed back into the glory that he was created with. And it said his face like shone like the sun. And I mean, this would be kind of cool. Hope we get to watch it back on Blu-ray someday. Um, I mean, because it would be pretty neat to see this stuff. All of a sudden, it says that they literally hear the voice of God coming down in the cloud, saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Moses and Elijah show up, and they're talking with Jesus. Peter is like foot and mouth disease, and he's just like, you want me to build you a house? Like, it just, it was really cool. And so while all of that cool stuff is taking place, and, and this like supernatural encounter, Jesus' disciples are down uh, in, in the city or wherever they're at, and, uh, and while they're there, uh, again, this father brings the son, and uh, they try to, to pray for him to get healed, and nothing happens. And, uh, and so the father tells Jesus, so eventually Jesus comes down, sees him questioning his disciples, and he, they're still in training, right? So he's a little protective, and he's just like, hey, hold up a second, what are y'all doing with them? And, uh, and the father tells him, hey, I asked your disciples to pray for it. They couldn't do it. And, uh, and so Jesus has this encounter with the father. Ultimately, in this story, what happens is that the young man uh, has a, it literally has a demon that's cast out. And, uh, and, and after that, he receives healing. But listen to this, though. When it comes to the, the mustard seed and the little as much in the kingdom, Matthew 17, 20, 21, the disciples asked Jesus privately. So now the father and his son are gone. The son as well. It's awesome. But they come private and they say, why couldn't we do it? Has anybody ever wondered that before? You pray for something, it doesn't happen. You're like, why couldn't we do it? 
I've asked the Lord that. Maybe you have it, but I have. I'm just like, because I, I have a desire in my life to see breakthrough. I want to see impossibilities yield. I, I, as a young man, I almost walked away from the Lord uh, for about, actually for about six weeks. I didn't even read the word because we had prayed for a lady and she died anyway. And I just remember, I was like, Lord, I see something in the word one way and I'm experiencing something different. Either you're the same God or you're not. And I, and, and I just, I was, just, I was frustrated because I'm going, I see a gap between what I read and what I experience. And if that's who you are, I want some of that. Not just so I can see something. I just want the fullness of what you said we could have. Amen. And so in that, uh, I, in that particular situation, I didn't read for six weeks. I had my pampers on. I was mad at the Lord and he was kind and gracious with me. And, uh, and about six weeks later, when my heart was finally soft enough to hear from him, he made a simple statement. He said, did you ever ask me what to pray or if to pray? And when he said the word if, I knew school was in session, and I've learned a lot of things since then. Uh, and, uh, and so we have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. But in this situation, they asked Jesus, they're like, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. He says, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. 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 Amen? If you'll believe. And so in this, he says, however, this kind does not go out but by prayer, except by prayer and fasting. And what I love in this moment is Jesus is showing them the way because when he commanded in that moment, the thing just simply departed. He didn't fast and pray. But he had fasted and prayed into a lifestyle of power that he didn't have before. Amen? That's not even my message today, but I, I could preach like the whole rest of the time just on that. But again, what he's saying here is he's saying, if you have faith as a mustard seed, right, little as much in the kingdom of God. And so when we're talking about the concept of leaven, if we'll take the little that we have and just simply by faith put it to work, trusting that God is going to work on our behalf. Trusting that God has a desire to advance his kingdom, it will work like leaven and spread throughout the entirety of the lump, causing everything around it to rise. And can I please put the emphasis on that in your heart and in your mind? Your life is intended to cause others to rise. The world is about you rising. The kingdom is about having him in you so you can have an effect so that the world can rise around you. It takes a person of humility to celebrate others. We could be so caught up in wondering why the good thing didn't happen to me. And yet you may not even realize that the good thing happening to you is predicated on your ability to cheer and celebrate somebody else. Because if we can't be grateful or thankful for something, why is God going to bless us and expand and reinforce our bad behavior? Have you ever thought about that? Like if you're at the store... And your kid is screaming, because I've totally experienced this. My kids are all in the back serving in kids today, so that's awesome. Um, so they can't be like, thanks for talking about us in church today. Um, I don't ever call their names because I'm not out here to degrade them. Just being a father gives you experiences to draw from is all, and it helps to illustrate the kingdom. Um, when our kids, we'd go to the grocery store, and you know how like, they so perfectly set all that candy and junk like right where you're checking out? You know what I'm talking about. And you still see them kids, even if they're not your own. Um, and they're in there doing what half the time? I want candy! I want candy! And they're screaming and flopping like fish on the ground, and you're just like. And here's the thing as a parent, and I hope that you don't reinforce that by giving them what they want, 
Because there is a proper way to ask. Right? And you, out of the goodness of being a parent, sometimes it's okay to say no. But there's also going to be times that you can give them that thing that they desire. But the thing is, is in that moment, you know instinctively as a parent, if you give them that, you reinforce that as the normal behavior to get what they want. It's no different in the kingdom of God. He's a really good father. And if we're down here whining and complaining and saying, God, give me that. What's wrong with you? Seriously? And then he answers that prayer. We're going to think that that's the mode of prayer that we're supposed to have every time we approach him. And yet at the end of the day, if you go back and read in the book of Ezekiel, he's expected, uh, actually, no, it's uh, in Leviticus. Excuse me, I was, I was like in some reading this week. In Leviticus, uh, with, uh, with the sons of Aaron, they offered a profane fire to the Lord, something that was unauthorized that he did not desire. And fire went out from the throne and killed them both. Aren't you glad that doesn't happen anymore? But he said, by those who approach me, he says, I must be treated as holy. And I realized that, that in our life, man, the way that we approach God matters. The way that we worship, it matters. The way that, that we view him in our heart and the way that we come to him. Now, and it's not necessarily that we want to be afraid of him expecting the fire to come out and to devour us. I'm thankful for the grace of God that he is merciful and loving and kind. But that doesn't mean that we can treat him as common. He's not just my homeboy in the sky. The word tells us, he says, don't fear the one that has the power to destroy the body. Fear the one that has the power to destroy both the body and soul and hell. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we recognize that when we seek him, when we know him, when we gain not just the knowledge, but now when I gain wisdom, I gain the application of the knowledge. And so God wants to be approached in a certain way. And, and so it's important for us to understand that. But in all of this, if we'll realize that little is much in the kingdom, that we're not just trying to cry out and tell God what he's going to do. But if I will faithfully take the mustard seed of faith that he's put on the inside of me, even though it seems little, and I'll plant it, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll do what he asked me to do with it, and I'll take that step of faith to walk out that even when I don't see uh, what I want to see yet. I was thinking about sowing seed. Remember that you're not just going to see it instantly. It has to grow. It has to put down roots. It has to become established if you want it to survive. And so in our life so often, we're wanting the instant result. And can I tell you this morning, we can't afford the instant results in the kingdom of God. We need something that is firmly rooted and established so that we can live this thing out for the rest of our lives, not for six months until I walk away from him again. Amen? God wants us to be established. He wants us to be in him all the days of our life. And so in all of this, though, the, the, the little as much in the kingdom of God, if we'll just simply take that seed of faith that we have and put it into work. Because effectiveness for the kingdom of God has little to do with credentials or titles. It has everything to do with the measure of our faith. Can I say that again? Effectiveness in the kingdom of God has little to do with credentials or titles. Listen, I am no more effective because I have a, the word pastor by my name or reverend. You can call me bishop if you want to. That could be cool too. Like, you know, what's up, Bishop Wood? You know, like, that's awesome. <laughs> to change my collar, but it's cool. But here's the thing is, is, is titles don't matter in the kingdom of God. Credentials don't matter. Faith is what matters. And it's the application of your faith to trust and believe God that what he said he would do, he'll do. Amen? And you rise up in the morning and you put your hand to the plow and you go to work in life and God causes the seed to grow and you do not know how. But he's working. He's moving. He's making the crooked places straight. 
He's giving wisdom. He's giving revelation. He's guiding. He's leading. He's directing. Amen? He's telling you where to invest. He's telling you where to pull back. He's telling you where to take a step further if you'll just listen to what he says. Amen? So it has everything to do with the measure of our faith. And listen, the potency of faith is not revealed by the world's standards. The potency of faith is determined by the word of God and your trust in it. Listen, the world will tell you things are impossible. God will tell you with all things it's possible. To him that believes it's possible. Why? Because the seed of the word of God has divine power and it's not limited by man. The only limitation is whether or not we believe it. Amen? So it's interesting because the way it works through the illustration of leaven is a small seed can have a massive impact. The first thing, uh, it's in the notes. If you uh, don't have the printed notes, you can uh, write this down. The kingdom of God in its seed may have small beginnings, but it will increase. So the whole idea of the mustard seed, it may have a small beginning, but it will increase. Yeast is microscopic in size, and it's only a little is kneaded into the dough. Yet given time, the yeast will spread through all of the dough. In the same way, Jesus' domain started with 12 men in an obscure corner of Galilee, but it has spread throughout the world. You thought about that? The the, the leaven of the kingdom of God, it started with one man with a message, surrendered to the Father. It expanded to 12 disciples, and those 12 people have caused that gospel to, to spread throughout the entire world. We're here today because of that. It permeates everything, and it encompasses everything. The gospel makes progress. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and I want to encourage you in this. Do not despise the small beginnings. It says, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. But I've seen this so many times. We have to understand this. Dreams and visions come from the Lord in seed form. God drops something in your heart, and in your heart you can see the end result, but it shows up in the form of a seed. And like an embryo in a a mother's womb, that thing grows in secret. It develops over time until the time of its unveiling, right? So that the dreams and visions of God, the things for your life, right, the the leaven of the kingdom, the things that he has placed in you, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, they come initially in seed form, and you have to plant those things. And for a season, you're going to have anonymity, but you need to learn to enjoy the anonymity because it is a gift from the Lord, Developing in secret is the mercy of God. Because you see how ruthless our world is. We're now emboldened by a keyboard on social media. And so many think that they have a right to just degrade people and talk trash about them when they step out to do something good. Staying anonymous for a season is a good thing. Because it gives you the ability to grow strong while nobody is looking. So that when the things that are finally seen can be seen, and their opinions come along with what is seen, you have the ability to stand. Because if you have quick growth and no roots, the, the, the comments of people and the criticism of people will cause you to uproot what God is doing in your life. But if you grow in secret, the conviction of God's word will get so deep into your heart that it doesn't matter what anybody says. They can criticize you, so what? They can reject you. So what? You didn't accept me. I'm accepted by him. So what? Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. It doesn't matter. Now, are those things comfortable? No. Do any of us like to be talked about? No. But oh well. 
We have to have the conviction of the word of God in our heart, the dreams and visions from the Lord. Those things come in seed form. And again, it, it, it's once it sprouts. And here's another thing. Once it sprouts, you have to avoid the temptation to compare. And we've heard this before from different people. Listen, what God is doing in your life, don't compare it to somebody else's life. Don't compare it to the season that they're in because maybe the seed that you are sowing today that's finally sprouting is what somebody sowed 50 years ago. Don't look at what sprouted today in your life and try to compare it to the 50-year-old that over here has, has done this 50 years ago, and they have this great revelation, all these beautiful things, because now if I look and get my eyes on that instead of what God is doing, I'm going to screw up what God is doing. Instead, let, rejoice in what God has done in them. Let it encourage you that it's possible to go there. Amen? But don't sit there and devalue what God is doing in your life because you don't look like them yet. Stay the course. Be sensitive. Allow the leaven to work. Allow the seed to grow. You'll get there. It just takes time. Embrace the process. Amen? Avoid the temptation of comparison. Because what is planted takes time to mature. Enjoy the season and the process because the trap of comparison can kill what's planted. And here's, again, this is one I just want to drive home. Please, please, please learn how to celebrate what God has done in others and what he is doing in you. But in that first portion of that statement I just made to you, Celebrate what God is doing in others. Our culture has us in front of us only. Learn to celebrate. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When God does something good in their life and they have breakthrough, give God praise as if it was your breakthrough. Be genuinely excited for them. It's kind of quiet in here when I said that. You notice that? And here's the deal, so often, well, that'd be nice if somebody would do that with me. Sowing and reaping. If you want something, learn to sow it. <laughs> Amen. Good preaching, pastor. Thanks. <laughs> so what God has placed in you is intended to help the world around you. What begins in obscurity can, like leaven, ultimately spread throughout the whole world. The kingdom advances through the people of God's faithfulness and obedience to his call. The second thing is that the kingdom of God exerts its influence from within, not from without. And it's important to understand that yeast makes dough rise from within. God first changes the heart of a person, and then that internal change has an external manifestation. That, that internal heart change begins to have an impact on what's around on the outside. And so the same thing with the gospel. The gospel influences a culture. Uh, gospel's influence in a culture works the same way. Christians within a culture act as agents of change, slowly having an effect on the whole, transforming that culture from within. The problem if we come in here and only do church and don't go be the church is we're going to miss the opportunity for you to be an agent of change that brings a kingdom culture to where you are. And here's the thing. If you don't take a kingdom culture to where you are, your silence there allows the enemy to prevail. Because where you are is your assignment. <laughs> And if you don't carry it out there, if you don't go do it out there, you're allowing the kingdom of darkness to flourish. Because we all have a part to play. It's not just preachers and teachers. It's all of us. It's the body of Christ living as the church out there because you are the ecclesia. You are the church. It's not a building. This is a building where we gather. Yeah, there's a name on the outside and it says church underneath, but you are the church of Jesus Christ. And God has called you and equipped you to go. 
And he's placed you where he's placed you to be an agent of change so that you can transform that culture from the inside out. Because here's the thing. If we'll seek the Lord in truth and sincerity, I'm telling you right now, he'll give us dreams and visions for our lives, for our families, for our schools, and for our community. But the way a vision comes to pass is by first the transformation of our heart. He gives us a vision, and it's in seed form. That vision is going to require me to change. It's going to require me to change the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I view people. An example of this is outreach, right? So the seed, uh, listen, the seed of God's word gives us kingdom eyes to look through. Because when we'll seek the Lord and, and, and pray, he gives a strategy through the Holy Spirit. The internal changes coupled with the leading of the Holy Spirit leads us to righteous actions that are seen by others. So when I am with him, he changes me, and the result of that change is an outward righteousness that is seen by others. And here's what's cool about the kingdom of God. An example of this can be outreach. Right, So when the Lord changes our heart, we begin to see others by their created value instead of whatever their hang-up is. Listen, let's say whether it's the homeless on the street or the addict, they're no longer seen as a drag on society. They're seen as a lost son or daughter who's greatly loved by God. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you to see beyond addiction to their God-given purpose. He helps you to see beyond the hang-up or the habit so you can realize that they are a lost son or daughter who is greatly loved by God, and he wants to use you to bring his kingdom goodness so that their life can be changed. But if I go out there and I'm offended at them for what they're doing in public, how can I ever love them? You're never going to reach what you're offended at. You're going to have no impact on who you're offended at. But if you will serve them in love like the kingdom of God asks us to, you can have great impact on their life. Why? Because their value is not found in just being a good person who is not an addict. Their value is that they are created in the image of God, and they are called to bear that to the world, and they simply need to have an encounter with Jesus and a revelation of his goodness. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing about the process of change. It's messy, but you have to understand that doesn't matter. Look, they may fail 20 times, but the man or woman of God is there to help them get up and realize their kingdom potential. Come on, somebody. Do you hear that this morning? We are not the ones to stand in judgment to determine where their end is. You are called to bear the image and the goodness of God. And when they fall, help them up. 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 And when they trip up again, help them up. Be in the trench to say, you know what? This is messy. This is painful. Uh, it's, it's driving me crazy. The things that's happening in your life, just jump back in the trench and ask God for more grace and more of his presence in your life and say, help me to do it again. Give me a supernatural strength to be able to get right back in that trench to pray for them and to fight for them because their value is not what they're doing. It's who you say they are. Amen? Amen. And so again, what we do is, as believers, we're to live in such a way where, as agents of change, we bring the dominion of God's rule on the earth. That's the whole idea of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God being like leaven, is that as we serve him, what happens is, 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 is these things begin to move and begin to happen. And can I show you real quick how God moves and works uh, in all of this? Ezekiel 22, verse 23 through 30. I don't have time to read all this, so I'm going I'm to summarize it for you. I was reading this uh, yesterday, and it was amazing to me. So it, it talks about basically that there was a priest, there was prophets, and there was leaders that were all doing wickedly and oppressing God's people. This is how God chooses to work in the earth. So this is happening in the several verses. They're seeing false visions. They're divining lies. Um, they're using oppressions, committing robbery, mistreating the poor and needy. They're wrongfully oppressing the stranger. And this was God's response. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. 
And in this particular story, he says, but I found no one. How many times is God asking us to go and to stand in the gap on behalf of others that need it? They don't see it. They're spiritually dead. They're apart from the Lord. And he burdens our heart and he says, go and stand in the gap. But if we're in rebellion to his command, they march their way right to death. And oh man, that's so convicted my heart. He says, he, just, he said, Joel, he says, I look for men and women to build a wall against the enemy and to stand in the gap to fight. And in this particular story, he says, I looked for one, but I didn't find one. And man, I convicted him hard. I said, God, please don't let that be us. Let it be that anything that's on your heart that you caused to arise in this place, let somebody answer the call. And it's not always going to be the preacher. It's not just the staff. There are people right here that are sitting down that God is speaking to on certain areas. And he says, I want you to stand in the gap. Can I please ask you to answer that call? Because there are people who need a kingdom revelation that because of you standing faithfully to do what God asks, they're going to come into the kingdom. Amen? Matters so much. The third effect of the kingdom of God is that it's comprehensive. Just as yeast works until the dough is completely risen, the ultimate benefit of the kingdom of God will be worldwide. Psalm 72, 19 said, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When I think about that idea of the waters covering the sea, listen, have you ever jumped into the sea? It's all-encompassing. From the top to the bottom, it's wet. <laughs> like you don't jump in and your shoulders get wet, but your feet don't. So when he's talking about the fact that, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, do you know how that happens? Because men and women are supposed to carry the image and the glory of God to the world. We always think, how can that happen? How can, the, how can the knowledge of God go into all the world? Because you are a carrier of it and you go into all the world. God's glory is, is the magnificence, his worth, his loveliness, the grandeur, uh, just his many perfections. And listen, God communicates also not only through us, but he communicates his glory through creation. Romans chapter 1 through image bearers, right? The Imago Dei, Genesis chapter one, right? We're made in the image of God through his providence, which is him working in our lives to bring about his good purpose and his plan. And also we see it through his redemptive acts, right? Where all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And our response to that is we respond by glorifying him. It's, it's Psalms 34, one, right? That I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Worship is not songs we sing on a Sunday morning. I live a lifestyle of worship. You can ask my bride. We're at home. Dude, we are always singing something. I was sitting down, um, I was sitting down in my office this week. I wrote a couple worship songs just, just out of my, some of the things that I was going through. Uh, and I've had some times where I just sat down on the piano and a melody showed up in my heart. And I've, I just wrote a couple songs. I was sitting in the office the other day and, and just a melody rose in my heart. And I sang it into a voice memo on my phone. And I was like, I'm going to write that. I only got like one line right now. I was like, but I'm going to write that. <laughs> and here's the thing is, is to do those types of things, I mean, they may be shared with you all someday. They may not. The purpose of them was just to give him glory in the season that I was in. One of them, the title of it is called Faithful. The opening line says, you know, when I didn't think I would make it this far. You know, walking through grief, walking through trials and tribulations. 
And you're just thinking, the hurt, the pain, all these things, you're going, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And by the end of the song, it was like, but you're faithful. You're faithful through every storm. You're faithful through everything I've been through. And so there's something about living a lifestyle of worship, blessing the Lord at all times, letting his praise continually be in our mouth. Listen, what I've learned is that if you're a worshiper, it invites God into every situation where you are. When you're a complainer, you invite the enemy into wherever you are. I'd rather worship. I don't know about you. I'll let you figure that one out. God receives glory uh, through the uniting of his people to Christ, and he shares his glory with them. And so here's the thing. God's glory is revealed in Christ. It's seen uh, in miracle signs and wonders. It's reinforced in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is seen in the person of the Holy Spirit and his mighty acts upon the earth. Ultimately, glory speaks of God's special presence. And so we want the glory of God, the presence of God throughout the entire earth. And so the effect of the kingdom of God in the whole is being filled with glory as the water covers the sea. And this only happens through surrendered people who are made in the image of God. Well, the Lord told me, he said, Joel, you are to be couriers of my glory and presence. A courier is somebody who carries something. And there is something about us learning how to carry the presence of God wherever we go. That's how you have an impact in the everyday life. You're with him enough where the residue of who he is rubs off onto you. So now when you show up, you look like him. And the result of these things, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're transformed by the word, we'll see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. The lame will leap, the mute will speak, the sick will be healed, the power of the gospel will penetrate and convict the hearts of unbelievers, bringing them to salvation. The, the, the reason why we so often find challenge in these things, the reason why we're afraid to walk and, and to, to do evangelism or things like that is because we're trying to be the source of their change. Listen, can I tell you this morning, you will never be the source of someone's change. But you can be the carrier of God's image and glory. And when you carry that and they see that there's a better way and they taste and see that the Lord is good through your life, it can bring them to a place of change. Amen? The last thing here I want to share with you is that the kingdom of God works invisibly, but its effect is evident to all. So yeast does its job slowly, secretly, and silently, but no one can deny its effect on bread. And the same is true of the work of grace in our hearts. The nature of yeast is to grow and change whatever it comes into contact with. The nature of the kingdom of God is like yeast, and it's intended to change and to grow and to mature everything that it comes into contact with. So when we accept Christ, his grace grows in our hearts. He changes us from the inside out. And the gospel begins to transform not only our life, but the gospel transforms other people's lives. It begins to exert a passive influence on the world at large, right? So the goodness of what God is doing in me, me consistently living for him and, and having that, that singular life where I'm not doing the, the double-mindedness where I live for him today and, and, and I act like you know, hell on Monday and I serve him on Sunday and I act like hell on Monday through Saturday. And it's not that double-mindedness, but when I can be singular in my approach where my life declares what I say I believe, that change on the inside of me is going to begin to produce, uh, uh, has an, have an influence outwardly on those that are around me, and it's going to begin to change people's lives. And so as we reflect uh, the Lord's glory, we're being transformed. This is actually 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. As we reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want you to see that the change comes from him. It's not just you trying to be a better man or a better woman. The change comes from him on the inside of you. Fruit is not something that you work for. Fruit is something that you bear because of the, of the nutrients that's on the inside of you. It's what you're connected to. 
And so the kingdom of God is about that type of fruit where you are connected to him as the vine. He's at work within you. The love of God's at work within you. His peace, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his tender loving kindness. All of these things are at work on the inside of you. His word convicts you and changes you and molds you and shapes you. And now because of that, you have an outward fruit that now is to be shared with other people. And that transformation of your life begins to be transformation in other people's lives. Amen. And so it's, it's vital for us to understand that the kingdom of God works invisibly, but its effect is evident to all. Can I tell you again, it's easy to be derailed by what we don't see happening. Keep your eyes on his word. Do not base your faith off of what you don't see happening. The kingdom of God is working. The seed of God's word is growing. It may not produce when you expect it to produce, but it will produce. God is the one who makes the seed grow. He is the one who sets times and seasons, not us. Because in the midst of that growth, there are things in us that have to change. There are things that we need to be able to sustain the growth. Like I learned here a while back, I had bought like gardening soil and we planted that first year. Our garden was awesome. So the next year I planted again and our plants died like the next day. And I laughed because I actually talked to you about it. And you were like, yeah, so that depletes like X, Y, and Z out of the soil. Did you put anything back? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I laughed at you. She was like, well, if you don't put like these nutrients back, or let's restart about like crop rotation and things, and this one puts it back in the soil, and this does this. And I went, oops. But you realize that in those moments, if you don't gain that knowledge, stuff isn't going to last. And it's the same thing spiritually speaking. There are things that when you choose to sow seed that the Holy Spirit needs to teach you and, and to guide you in and to speak into your life in so that you can actually continue to bear fruit in every season, not just one. And I think that's the ultimate thing I want you to understand is that in the kingdom of God, he desires fruitfulness always. And it's possible. So uh, in that as well, if we'll just simply seek his face, study the word, serve his people and his purposes, and learn to leave the results up to him. We just need to be faithful to do what he asks us to do. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. Uh, this is when it comes to, to not getting our eyes fixed on always being the one who needs to see it. Paul says this. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It says, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You have to understand, even in your life, when you're sowing kingdom seed, you may not see the harvest, especially when it comes to other people. You not seeing a harvest should not detract you from sowing the seed anyway. You're not the one who's always supposed to reap. There are people who get saved in this church that somebody 20 years ago may be the one that was sowing the kingdom seed into them and somebody watered it along the way and we happen to reap the harvest of it. And so again, at the end of the day, our, our responsibility is just to be faithful to do the work, to worship, to bear his image well, to know him, to be known by him, to allow his glory to touch me, his presence to touch me, so that now I can just go out and live. And I'm just scattering seed everywhere I go. We're tilling the ground, we're sowing the seed, we're encouraging people and watering it. Man, we're worshiping. And all the while, God is doing a work in their life that we don't even know about. And there is going to come a day when whatever person at the appointed time will reap the harvest of that soul. But we have to learn to just be okay with tilling the ground, sowing the seed and watering. Because whether that person got saved because you pray with them, it doesn't matter. It's not about us. We just want to rejoice that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Amen. And so in all of this, my closing thought to you 
is the American gospel is focused on seeing the increase. The gospel of the kingdom is faithful partnership of believers who are on a mission, tilling the ground, sowing seed and watering. Again, we may not be the ones who see the seed, the harvest from the seeds we've sown. That's okay. The advancement of the kingdom is not about what we can get from it, but what we can give to it. The Lord will take care of our lives. He'll bless us. And we don't have to be focused on personal welfare. welfare. Instead, like Jesus, let's learn to be about the Father's business. Sow the gospel seed like leaven until, the, until it leavens the whole lump. Though it has small beginnings, it will pierce the conscience of the hearer, enlighten the understanding, bring salvation, and transform the one who will receive it. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker Podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.